Episode 108, Alex Tink. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki and I'm back with a fresh new episode with a really cool leader of a truly mission-inspired business. I think you'll love learning about what this company, Fork Farms, does, and most importantly, how Alex thinks about leadership and how he inspires and leads his people to work on mission every single day. Alex, welcome to Gut Plus Science. We're going to talk company mission today, and not only how do we get team members bought into the mission, but how do we get each and every one of them to feel the impact of making a dent on the mission from their seat or in the work that they do. It's a great practice for all of us out there that, you know, have gatherings with our team members a couple times a year. And we have some of our frontline people that are working with our customers or our clients share those experiences and stories that are inspiring and really, you know, pep up those company meetings. But does that really stick? You know, we get inspired for those people that don't get to work close to the impact every day on the front lines. You know, we get inspired and fed and our cup filled that way, but does it really stick? Today, I'm with Alex Tink. Alex is the founder of Fork Farms, and he is convicted to help his people feel the mission and has some insights on how he does this at their organization. So first, Alex, let's start high level. And that's a very typical question where I say, let's start high level, but we're going to do it in a unique way. Your organization is really cool, by the way. I'm just super interested in it. Like I, I'm like, I'm an ideal client of this organization, just un- very unique for a company like this to be on the show. I'm really intrigued with what you guys do, but I think to fit into us talking about mission and breaking it down from the founder level to how do each and every individual employee get bought into it every single day and feel that, I'd love for you to kick us off with, help us understand the vision and the mission of Fork Farms. Fork Farms, our mission is really simple. We believe that anybody can be a farmer and we allow that to happen by really focusing on deep engagement with our customers to build strong relationships with fresh food. And so our core belief is that if you grow it, you are going to want to eat it more and that that has tremendous power to transform lives in a really beneficial way. I love that. And it's so simple too. Talk about how your efforts to help all team members align with and feel part of doing work that impacts the mission starts in the hiring process. As the company's grown, we've had to get more and more intentional along the way of deciding what kind of company do we want to be? What kind of culture do we want to have? And every step along those ways, we've tried to be uh, really intentional about those decisions. And frankly, I've brought in people much smarter than me to help us with that process. You know, for for me, these days, I consider myself more of a conduit to other people's good ideas. So I think um, that being said, you know, we are really intentional in our hiring process about hiring for missions. So for us, uh, we really break down our hiring criteria into four major categories. Um, People's general intelligence level as it relates to the role and the expected outcomes of the role, the skill set that they come with as it pertains to the role. Um, So really looking at obviously the role fit, which uh, I think most people do. 
But then looking at how does this person inspire followership? Because I think, you know, as I've grown in a leader, what I've learned is that great followers end up making great leaders. And I don't say that meaning like I want a group of just mindless followers on the team, but really people who understand how to lead with humility, servant leaders who um, are really focused on the needs of their team. I think if you really have learned how to follow as a skill set and learn to be a good employee, you then uh, you have a much better shot of being a great leader. And then the fourth is uh, the forked farmsiness is what we call it. So that's just kind of a something that we've learned over over time on what is this person's general proclivity to our specific mission, the specific change that we're trying to see happen in the world. And so generally we're looking for people who, you know, they believe for one that we can make the world a better place and that we should try to make the world a better place and we, we can and they want to be a part of that. Generally, they are interested in some sort of area of where our mission touches. So that's either hunger, the environment, climate change, or people's health is really the core mission focus areas that our product really delivers on. And from there, you know, we, you know, we're pretty agnostic. We, uh, you know, we've got people on our team who are avid gardeners, but we've got people with self-proclaimed black thumbs that just love the environmental impact of these uh, these indoor farming systems. And so, you know, that that side of it, we're really just looking to find what's this person predisposition towards having some passion around the work. I love that. And I love to dig in on things that intrigue me, like this followership thing. I love it. So if maybe you could break down for us, what does during that interview process time, what does it look like to probe or the questions that you're asking or what are you looking for when it comes to things that illustrate, yes, this person has those types of skills or leans towards the opportunity area of followership? You know, I think what I like to do, you know, is really ask more situationally to get a sense of how does this person lead and how does this person engage other people? And to me, it really comes down to the person's predisposed way of building relationships. So even in the interview, you can suss out how is this person attempting to build rapport with me, right? Are they trying to tell me what I want to hear? Are they like trying to, you know, go above and beyond really what they've done? Or is this person really authentic? And is this person really being honest? And are they really helping me understand the value and and really driving at kind of the key areas that are going to be uh, attracted to us because I think part of our culture is transparency. We we hold that uh, in our company at least in really high order and uh, in integrity is another one, right? So we don't want people coming in who are naturally going to be against the grain on some of these core culture issues. And I think the way that people develop relationships is. Uh, is a very key way that you can suss that out relatively early in the process. In terms of the followership side of it, you know, for us, it's just as easy as asking them, how would you accomplish this task with another group of people? How would you, how would you rally the troops in this case? And I think uh, the answers are usually really, really telling, especially as you're comparing candidates and understanding, well, this per- type of person really understands, you know, how to lead with servitude, you know, lead thinking of the needs of their people first and how they can break down barriers and support people, as opposed to thinking about how am I going to project manage this and kind of command and control and 
and just make sure that the work gets done. And both may lead you to the same end goal, but I think the how of it is sometimes even more important than the what. And the how for us is what really drives that internal culture. So let's talk about how you support or enable employees to address the mission of the work that you do in their respective roles. And like, let's look at this, you know, big picture and kind of break it down into the buckets of how to do this. And then I want to then take the conversation deep in each of those areas. So how would you kind of categorize if you, if you will, how you support or enable employees to, to feel this and live out the mission daily? Something that we're continually trying to get better at, to be honest. So I don't proclaim to have this figured out. I think it's more of a practice, personally, than it is a, a silver bullet. But um, I, I, I think for us, you know, you you led with it. It starts with the hire. I think when we hire the right people that, you know, fit the culture, fit the energy that we're trying to build, that uh, have the collaboration potential, you know, everything. Basically, I just said that that gets you a fair amount of the way, I, I think I've found. Um, when you don't have that, it, it's really more of an uphill battle. From there, you know, we work to build that interconnectivity with our mission in everything that we do. And we really preach and try to practice what we preach, that this is not a product company. We don't exist to sell indoor vertical farming systems, right? I mean, we, we exist to add value and to help solve a great problem and to be a piece of that puzzle. And I think the way that we do that is we really understand to our core customer segments, how do we solve that problem? Really being able to demonstrate that we do provide that value and being able to really stand by that value and tell that story really, really well, I think helps people understand that by making money, we're also making impact. And that's something that's really core to our business strategies. We want to do well financially, but we also want to do good. And we, all of us around the team believe that that's possible. And so when we're hiring, we're looking for people that think like that, right? Like we want people that aren't just in this for the money, right? It's fine for money to be a motivating factor, but we're looking for people that want more, that really want their work to have an impact and mean something. From there, you know, we we tie you know, how we deliver that value to customers, how do we do that more and more efficiently, right? And ultimately, that becomes the core drivers behind our strategic plans. And so the work that we're going to do over the next quarter, the next year is really built on, you know, how are we going to build the amount of value that we're creating out there in the market? And so, you know, that is, I think, as simple as understanding all the core areas of our business, how it attaches to that, and then connecting each individual employee directly to that strategy. And what we've found is really helpful is let people be part of that as much as you can. And and there are ways that uh, we've found are more efficient than others, but generally for us, being a, a relatively small team, having a core operational process that ties everybody's work directly to the core organizational objectives has been huge for everyone understanding that I directly impact moving the organizational needle, no matter at what level in the organization I work at. And from there, if we win, if we do it, we want everyone to feel that win. We want everyone's incentives to be at least in part attached to the success of the organization. And so we found, uh, especially as a a uh, startup company, you know, offering stock option plans to our to our employees, or uh, you know, different compensation uh, models that are based on certain incentives, you know, attached to hitting these different goals. I don't think that's why anybody is here, but I think it really helps when 
we accomplish something that we we get to really bring that home and it benefits all of our families as well. So yeah, I mean, it's just if for us in the future, I think to be even more intentional thinking about how do we um, in the future, we really want to think about leadership more intentionally, because right now we have a pretty flat organization. And as the organization grows, how do you make sure that even as the sphere of influence for each individual employee may feel less against the entire company, how do you still make sure that that person understands that the value that they bring to the company hasn't changed? And I think that's something that we're looking ahead at our own growth and we're saying, okay, this is a problem that we may have. And so how do we now ahead of time start to get intentional about approaching that problem? And so for us, it's you know training up the leaders that we're lifting up into these different critical roles on that issue and helping them understand that people who used to report directly to me that maybe can't anymore, how do we help them understand that this is the way that they're going to be able to drive the most impact through the organization? It's not about ego and who reports to who. It's really about what's best for the company, what's best for the mission, and what's best for the entire team. And I think uh, building a culture around humility and consciousness of our own ego, it's tough to do, but it's something that we, those are some of the toughest conversations that I think we've had with our people. So much good there. Now I'm going to unpack a few things, a few of my nuggets that I took away. So one of your lines was, well, let people be part of it. And you were talking about the strategy or the plan. It sounds like letting people be part of that strategy or plan sometimes happens or many times happens organically. Can you kind of talk about how, just give, illustrate what that looks like for here's how this happened with John. And, you know, he, you know, saw the vision of what we were trying to do and then, you know, wanted to jump in and put his hat in the ringer for this. You know what I'm saying? Like help illustrate that for us. Our process, I guess, is, you know, we, we look as a team at, at the business and the debt and leadership will come up with certain key objectives that we have as a business and bring that to the team, right? We don't lay it on the team because at the same time, we ask the team to put together their own list and we all look at it together as one unit where no voice is necessarily bigger than any others, right? And so for us, it's about uh, really building that camaraderie and that collaborative environment. And so what that looks like is we, you know, we get around the table together and we look at, okay, here are the top, you know, three to five things that we really think are going to move the business forward this quarter or, or this year, depending on what lens we're using. And and we start putting the pieces together and it's an intentional process of saying, okay, we have to make some critical decisions. Leadership is going to be the ones to, to ultimately decide because we learned early on that running the business by committee isn't really the best way to go. But you know, it, it really helps where people feel like they've lent a voice to the overarching strategy right from the beginning. And then we ask people to retool their specific uh, objectives to accomplish based on now the generalized strategy that we've, we've all basically created together. And I've learned that that process, you know, we probably could have ended up in the same place if I would have just said, here's what we're going to do. Let's go get her. But this way, I think I get to mine the team for their great ideas. And there have been many examples where the team came up with uh, strategic approaches and ideas that were way better than what I was going to come to the table with. And it also, you know, builds direct involvement from the beginning. And and then there's a process that we have of really aligning. So whatever the team comes back with in terms of here's what I'm going to work on, we work through it with them to say, hey, here's kind of where I see the disconnect. What do you think? And we just work intentionally to make sure that we're all in the understanding of 
of how we're going to make sure that those two things are aligned, but also in keeping with uh, where that person feels like they can add the most value as well. And, uh, and that's really worked for us because then people tend to put themselves in roles where they're going to be more successful on projects where they're more impassioned, that they have more interest in. And uh, if we build a diverse enough team, we've really found that we, we're generally able to cover all of our bases. You know, no, ever, no one's ever able to work on everything they always want to at any given point. But, you know, one example I can think of is, you know, just recently we had a, an employee that was looking at a, a leadership role in our, in our sales team, in our, our business development team. And, uh, you know, it was a really direct conversation to understand, okay, why are we pursuing this type of role and responsibility? Is it because we want the title and the position or is it because this is where you feel like you can make the most impact and just unpacking it in that way for this person, help them define why. And if you have the type of rapport with these people where they're willing to, you know, ultimately get to some nugget of truth, it can really help them understand really what they want out of their career, really what they're aspiring for. You can help them understand where the business is and what it needs and what the future looks like. And it makes those growth and development type conversations a lot easier as well, because there's so much transparency on where the business is at. You spoke about the importance of sharing in the wins, like the incentives that you've set up culturally. What does it look like to celebrate wins within Fork Farms? This is a really tough one because I think we all get so wrapped up in the day to day and those the little wins especially sometimes feel so hardly fought for, you know, they, they, they're really hard to win, right? Like it, it's something that you work a lot on. So when they do come, it's almost a sense of relief as opposed to a sense of celebration. And so I think, you know, one thing that we've all tried to do for each other is that when each other wins, that we help recognize that as a team. And, you know, I had talked about already, there's financial incentive to do that. And I think everybody feels that every time. And, and that's great. But more than anything, you know, when we have big wins, it also a lot of times requires us to collaborate and work together in different ways. And so, for example, as we recently had uh, a really large order come in, larger than any we have had before. And okay, so hooray. Oh my gosh, like we hit a home run. This is, this is really exciting. And now, oh my gosh, we have to figure out how to like solve this massive problem that we just created for ourselves on the, on the operational side. So I think that both ends of that for us are fun is that, you know, we can celebrate, we can go out for, you know, drinks or dinner or whatever afterwards together and try to make that time as much as possible about the, the work that everybody is doing and be really intentional to just celebrate the team. And I think I've learned along the way, the less I make it about me, the more important it is for the company. And I've, I've seen a lot of leaders, they uh, love taking the credit. And I just think that the more you can help the team understand all the ways in which they played critical roles to make it happen, you know, ultimately you as the leader, you, all, you always get to take the win, right? People always recognize the company's success in relation to you, but it can be really toxic, toxic if uh, culturally that's the the way the winds are driven as well. So we just try to go the opposite direction as much as we can. I was going for the title of this episode to be all team members impact the mission and feel it and like learn how to do it with, you know, let's, let's learn how to do it with Alex, you know, like, but now my title that keeps coming to mind, like the theme that you keep talking about, and it's just great leadership advice, eliminate the ego. 
just eliminate the ego, you know, because it's like whether you were talking about titles or how to celebrate or letting people be part of the strategy or the plan or, you know, building people up and how you do that, how you hire, like all of it, like that's just a common theme of what you keep talking about. So just thought I'd point that out. Yeah. Is that okay? I love it. I love it. (laughs) I have a good friend who like, she's a huge fan of Cy Wakeman and she does a lot of training in that vein. I don't know if you're familiar with Cy Wakeman, but um, I'm going to have to tell her to listen to this because she's going to be a huge fan, not only for what Fork Farms does, but also just what you're speaking and your leadership advice. It's awesome. So this show is going super fast and I want to hear a laundry list of best practices you've seen help your people sustain their energy for the work you do and the mission you're on. A laundry list. Okay. So for us, there's, there's a high potential for burnout with us because we've got a lot of passionate people. Uh, we tend to hire people who really came to us. You know, I talked about this. They came to us with a desire to do this work already. So you know, a lot of times part of my job is helping people turn it off, which seems counterintuitive because you'd think, oh my gosh, maximize the potential of these people, get as much energy out of them over time as you can. And I have just learned, I think through my own personal experience that it's just not sustainable. You just can't do it because if you don't take the time to breathe, your mind just does not work optimally. I mean, I, there's been so many weeks where I've had to, I've had the busiest week of my life and I decided to take a day off just because I needed to decompress from it, right? Push the stuff into the week. It can wait if it means that I'm going to better prioritize my work, if I'm going to be more efficient in my thinking, if I'm going to be a better leader. I mean, all of these things, they must come first. And so uh, for me and our team, I think it's being really intentional about how you take care of people is really just the bottom line of what it comes down to is how do you provide people the ability to take that space when they need it, right? If I need it, how do I make sure that everyone on the team has the same capacity and ability as me? You know, it's it's about obviously the, the benefit package, right? Like for us, we... We have uh, an unlimited PTO policy, basically. You know, we leave it pretty open, uh, trust-based. You know, it's it's gotten uncomfortable once before for us, but generally speaking, people tend to not take as much PTO as I think they may otherwise, to be honest, just with having the freedom and the flexibility. I think it's it's all about how we set up the cultural expectations. I mean, that's a key part of it. I think being able to recognize burnout before it comes or as it's approaching is really critical. And so for me, when I see people naturally agitated, when they seem to have a pattern of coming in really early and leaving really late, like for many days in a row, when, you know, people are getting really obsessive about one specific project and almost getting too in the weeds and too into the nitty gritty details and not being able to take a step back to look at their work. Uh, When people are, getting a little snippy with each other, when teams aren't, you know, really able to figure out a path forward. All of these, uh, to me, are indicators that, you know, we may have pushed it a little too hard. And I recognize that not every team has that issue. But I also think that it's easy to build a culture of, you know, the way I think of it is you're like branching a bullwhip, right? When you're really focused on sales numbers, and you're really focused on, project management, timelines, you know, all the, all those key activities that you hope will lead to the results of the business. But in my experience, that can get away from you pretty quickly. If you focus on those sorts of things too much, 
it can just become the status quo. And when it does, now all of a sudden you have a culture around, you know, driving teams forward as quickly as possible, all built around data and metrics that don't necessarily get at the root of what the company is trying to accomplish. And so for us, consciously stepping back, looking at what results we're trying to drive and reminding ourselves the key activities that we really believe are going to drive those results and making sure that we're really prioritized in the right place, I think can be really healthy resets periodically where it's okay for the team to shift course a little bit and to make sure that they redirect and reprioritize the energy. And those resets, I think, can be refreshing and they can make sure that the team, again, stays connected to the mission. They then, again, feel refreshed in how they are making sure that they're impacting the work as much as possible. Well, Alex, I loved how you started out with a very simple mission that was easy for everyone to understand and obviously easy for the people that you intend to hire and keeping them very clear like on what that mission was. And then what you did throughout this entire thing was you kept the entire talk of this conversation very simple. And if I was to dumb it down, I'd say as a leader, focus on eliminating the ego, spend lots of time hiring right with that shared mindset and shared business belief with the right strengths of that person and just shared beliefs on like business and social responsibility so that you're aligned. And then once you hire that right person, you're really there as a leader to pour into their well-being and keep them healthy and fulfilled and, and feeling meaning, you know, in their life and in the work that they do. Really, really good stuff. Did I hit that close to like a nice summary? Oh, you nailed it. I would, I would say like my job is I eliminate barriers these days, right? Like if I, if I can understand from the team, like what's holding you back and help remove that, that has become my job. And I think that makes the team more efficient too. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's built a good energy. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you for sharing, you know, and, and mentoring our leader listener audience and just keeping it really simple with really great nuggets. Like those things that we, that I just, you know, kind of shared as takeaways and I'll recap that in our truth you can act on, on the show, but they're simple, but profound. And I just appreciate you sharing. And we're all really excited to go and look up fork farms after this, just super excited about that. So especially me, cause I'm going to have it at my house. So with that, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today and then we'll come back uh, to learn just a little bit more about Alex on what we call our lightning round. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners. So I've been experimenting with getting our listeners together in other ways. If you'd like to take a 30 minute break in your day to meet other leaders in our community, this podcast community, I'd love to invite you to join us for an upcoming human connection session. You'll get a chance to meet other like-minded leaders like yourself and start new relationships. We need human connection and peer mentorship probably now more than ever before. So if you're interested, hit me up at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at mondayfire.com. I'll drop that in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us for an upcoming session. I'd love to meet you. All right. I'm here on Gut Plus Science with Alex Tink. We've had a lot of fun today breaking down really how to inspire employees every day to feel connected to the mission. Just a lot of profound takeaways. Well, now we get to learn a little bit more about Alex. And I'm so curious with what you do, what kind of hobbies you do, Alex, outside of your work time? What would we find you doing that's a top hobby? Oh, I'm a really outdoorsy guy. My wife is too. And so we... uh, 
we love to hike. That's the family activity. All right, we got a little two-year-old and he likes to tag along too now. So that's been really, really fun. Where is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, we were married in Rocky Mountain National Park and I love Estes Park. Really, really beautiful. But I have to say the favorite place I've ever traveled to was New Zealand. And it's because uh, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd and I got to see like a lot of the mountains. We hiked a lot of the mountains where they did... Uh, the filming. And if you've never seen the movies, I mean, it's very landscape, picturesque, beautiful. And the people there are just very down to earth and cool. And I like that too. I know this is a tough one for many, but if you had to pick one book to share with our leader listener audience and a favorite read of all time or a recent read that inspired you, what book would you choose? You know, I should say like some great business book and there's been a lot of them, but to be honest with you, it's the Lord of the Rings, man. I love that story. It's uh, incredible that you know over 50 years ago somebody had the foresight to develop the depth and the languages and the cultures and the story that is timeless i just um it's always been a favorite of mine and then alex what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you after the show today lots of different ways please check us out on our website forkfarms.com you know, check out all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, all the, all the hotspots. We'd love to engage with you. Feel free to reach out. You know, all of the phone numbers that you see listed on the website, that goes to a real human being that lives in Wisconsin that'll take your call. And we'd be happy to answer any questions. Or um, if you'd like to contact me directly, you can do that the same way. You know, we're a relatively small team and real people, you know, trying to do real stuff. Okay, love this episode and the profound simplicity of the takeaway. Here's my truth you can act on from Alex Tink. Number one, hire right and a lot of the work is done, or at least you're set up well for success. When we gain clarity on the who we need, that right wiring, the right mindset, the right skill set, the right beliefs about business to be aligned with the team and hire that person, not settling outside the right fit. This really sets the stage for successful mission-driven engagement. Number two, eliminate the ego. Alex talked about this all throughout. So here's my challenge. Reflect on your day or your week and anywhere that you let ego creep into your decisions or your actions, just be aware and release them. Just be really aware. And he gave examples all throughout. So eliminate the ego. Number three, Focus on employee well-being. We've heard a lot about this lately, but really think about this. You know, helping your people turn it off and helping them be well in all areas, not just financially and not just career, but support their whole self. Think about how you could do that better and make filling your people's cup a priority. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.